Thank you, Nikki and TJ and Gareth. And thank you, Tim and Linnea, who are behind the scenes. My name is Jen Ashby. This morning, I am coming to you live from my dining room. I don't know if you can tell, but today is the first day that we are using a new streaming platform, and it's called Restream. Our staff continue to be on a learning curve with this whole virtual ministry thing. One of the things that we've been learning or has been stressed to us in the reading that we're doing is that YouTube is primarily a search engine for videos. It's a place where people go in and type in questions like, how do I tie a tie or how do I fix a zipper? And so if we want new people to be finding and connecting with Neighborhood Church on YouTube, then we should title our videos the questions that people are asking, or maybe the answers to the questions that people are asking right now. I think that one of the questions that people are asking right now, both inside the church as well as outside the church, is how to Thanksgiving in 2020. How to Thanksgiving in 2020. Now, Right now, if you go to YouTube and you type in that question, how to Thanksgiving in 2020, the first thing that will pop up is a video about how to celebrate safely in light of COVID. And the second thing that will pop up has to do with how to prepare Thanksgiving dinner. But I think that the bigger and more important question is this, how do we engage in the practice of giving thanks in the midst of disruption and strain and disappointment and uncertainty. You know, we keep hearing the word unprecedented as it relates to 2020. In other words, this has never happened before. And while that's true in the details, we've never experienced this specific set of details before. We are not the only people in the world or in history who have faced contagious diseases and a stressed economy and political unrest and racial conflict. And we could add to that list a variety of other corporate and individual circumstances. And this is not the first time that the people of God have needed to engage in the practice of giving thanks right in the middle of a challenge. And I believe we have some things to learn from such a time and such a people as recorded in the book of Nehemiah. We haven't looked at our Bible timeline in a while, but here it is. I know that looks small to you, which is why I put it on our handout. The passage that we're looking at today is in the season of return. That's the red balloon. So we're in the Old Testament and the people of God have enjoyed a strong kingdom, but because of turning away from God, their kingdom fell apart it collapsed. Many of them were killed or exiled to Babylon. But then Babylon got conquered by Persia. And the Persian king allowed the people of God to return to their land, to return to the city of Jerusalem. And they began to do that in waves. Now, while the symbol for return on the Bible timeline may be a balloon, this was not all fun games. It was pretty complicated, as we will see. The first observation I want to make this morning is to prioritize Thanksgiving. Prioritize Thanksgiving. 
When the Israelites started to return to Jerusalem, what they found there was a destroyed temple and a destroyed city wall and city gates and a somewhat empty city. There were other people who had moved in. Those people opposed the Israelites. And for any Israelites that had remained there while others were exiled, the ones who had remained had stopped following God. To top it all off, there was a famine going on. So the Israelites set about rebuilding the temple. In spite of opposition, they get it done. It's quite a story. But this second temple was not nearly as glorious physically or spiritually. In fact, Ezra 3.12 tells us that the people who had seen the first temple and then returned and saw that second temple wept aloud at the difference. Under Nehemiah's leadership, they rebuilt the wall and the gates of Jerusalem. Again, in spite of opposition, another amazing story. But while the temple was rebuilt and the walls were rebuilt, Nehemiah 7.4 tells us the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So it's in the midst of these mixed emotions, this unsettled, unfinished time, that Nehemiah remembers that generations ago, back in the kingdom phase, when the people of God had been following God and had been thriving, they had such a priority on Thanksgiving at that time that they had people in charge of it. Nehemiah 12, 46 says, For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there had been directors for the musicians and for the song of praise and thanksgiving to God. So, once again, here in the return phase, they prioritize Thanksgiving by putting someone in charge of it. And his name is Mataniah. Mataniah. And he is mentioned both in Nehemiah 11.17 and 12.8. Here's 12.8. It says, The Levites were Jeshua, Benu, Cadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and also Mataniah, who together with his associates was in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. It's just like groups and organizations today. If you want something to become a priority or to remain a priority, you want to make sure some value or some practice doesn't get lost in the shuffle, lost in the whirlwind, you appoint a task force. You put people in charge of making sure that it gets done. Mataniah became the head of the Thanksgiving task force, and Thanksgiving became a priority for the people of God again, even in the midst of upheaval. Now, I'm not suggesting this morning that Neighborhood Church appoints a Thanksgiving task force. I'm not necessarily advocating for your household to appoint a Thanksgiving task force. But what I'm saying is that there is value in having a plan for Thanksgiving, not just on the third week of November each year, but throughout the year. Because we can be distracted by a million things, our concerns, our desires, the barrage of information that's coming at us all the time. 
the myriad of things that aren't settled and aren't done yet. And Thanksgiving can get lost in the shuffle. So we need a plan. We need a plan to make sure that it stays a priority. What's your plan? Some people begin their day with worship music. I just learned about someone in our congregation who has an alarm set on his phone twice a day, every day. And when that alarm goes off, it's a reminder of him to stop and pause and lift up a prayer of thanksgiving. Most mornings after I read scripture, I sit with my journal and I think back through the last 24 hours and I ask God to show me where were the places he was showing me grace. And I jot those down and I thank God for them. There's a lot of different ways to do it. What's your plan for Thanksgiving? How will you make sure that it stays a priority? Thanksgiving, by nature, requires humility. Thanksgiving acknowledges that something is a gift and not an entitlement. If I consider something an entitlement, if I believe I deserve it, I'm owed it, then I don't need to be thankful. I've got it coming to me. And if it doesn't come to me, I might be confused or just plain angry. But If I believe that something is a gift, that it's undeserved, that I haven't earned it. And as Gareth reminded, James 1.17 says, every good gift comes from God. If I believe that, then that gift calls for thanksgiving to God. In Nehemiah 9, the people of God who've returned to Jerusalem confess their sins, and they rehearse their story, their story through the generations as a people, how time and time again they blew it, and God gave them another chance. How time and time again, even though they weren't always faithful, God was always faithful. You see how for them and for us, (laughs) confession humility, thanksgiving, all work together. They're interwoven. And how this combination softens our hearts and changes our posture and expands our perspective. How will you prioritize thanksgiving? What's your plan for making sure that you remain humble and thankful. The second thing I want to draw your attention to in this passage is that Thanksgiving is not only a private vertical thing between you and God. There's also this community, this horizontal aspect to it, whereby we promote Thanksgiving with one another, promote Thanksgiving Nehemiah 12 outlines the dedication ceremony for the newly rebuilt wall around Jerusalem. And Nehemiah sets it up by saying this in Nehemiah 12, 24. And the leaders of the Levites were Hashabiah, Sherebiah, Jeshua, son of Cadmiel, and their associates who stood opposite them to give praise and thanksgiving, one section responding to the other as prescribed by David, the man of God. 
one section responding to the other. And we see the same dynamic in the New Testament as well, such as Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speak to one another. Arnold's commentary on this text says, there are two audiences. The singing of praise is always directed to God as the primary audience and recipient, but there is also a horizontal dimension. There are two audiences. When we speak our praise and thanksgiving to God in the hearing of other people, it has this secondary effect of encouraging and reminding and teaching others. We're promoting thanksgiving among others. It's primarily for God, but there's this other dynamic. Since we've been meeting virtually, I have missed hearing you sing your praise and thanksgiving to God. Hearing you do that does something for me, and that's biblical. And that's why when we gather, we sing together and we speak in unison and we respond to each other. We speak to another, one another with psalms. So I'm going to invite TJ back on the screen here with me. And he's going to join me in Psalm 136. So TJ will read a line and then I will respond with his love endures forever. If you want to join me wherever you are, you are welcome to do that. Okay, TJ, take it away. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. Him who alone does great works. His love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens. His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the water. His love endures forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, TJ. Thank you, TJ. This practice is not just for worship gatherings. We can promote Thanksgiving in our daily conversation and communications. We can flavor our language with Thanksgiving to God. I encourage you, though, to make sure that your praise and Thanksgiving in the hearing of others is sensitive and sincere. Sensitive and sincere. When you're with someone who is struggling, it is not sensitive to say, you know, you should be thankful that this isn't worse. In fact, any sentence that starts with the phrase, you should, probably isn't the way to go. Instead, in a situation like that, it's much more sensitive to say, I'm thankful that God is with us in this even though we don't feel it right now. 
And our thanksgiving in the hearing of others also needs to be sincere, sincere. Saying God is good all the time is always true, but it's not always sincere. <laughs> if it's a mask over what's really going on, or if it's a way to avoid a conversation that actually needs to happen, then it's just plastic, fake, maybe even minimizing of what somebody is going through or what we're going through. We can promote thanksgiving by praising and thanking God in the hearing of others, but when we do it, we need to make sure that it's sensitive and it's sincere. And the last observation that I want to make from this passage is about circling your whole life with thanksgiving. Circle your whole life with thanksgiving. Nehemiah is describing the dedication ceremony for the newly rebuilt wall. And he writes in Nehemiah 12, 31, I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right toward the dung gate. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall. So not one choir, but two choirs so that they could respond to each other. They set out in opposite directions on top of the wall and between the two of them, they sing songs of praise and thanksgiving around the whole city and they meet in the temple. They circle the city with thanksgiving. It is hard for us in our context to fully appreciate the significance of a city wall and city gates. But to these people, having a solid wall and working gates was more than just a practical matter. When these people returned to Jerusalem, Nehemiah 1 and 2 says that when they saw the broken down wall and gates, they, they saw it as a disgrace. Gordon and Fee explain, walls do not simply keep unwanted people out. In ancient times, they set boundaries and therefore gave identity to a city and its people. The wall marks their identity. All that they are as a people, their collective story, their collective life together. And so it's meaningful and powerful for these two choirs singing thanks to march on top of these walls together, making a full circle. There's nothing left out of this demonstration. No area of life is excluded from thanks. I don't know about you, but I find some areas of life lend themselves to thanksgiving more than others. Some seasons of life lend themselves to thanksgiving more than others. 
Sometimes thanks flows naturally and easily from my heart, and other times I am in no mood to give thanks. I may avoid or even actively withhold thanks from God in some areas, but I don't think that we're meant to compartmentalize like that. Thankful in this and not in that. I think we're meant to find a way to circle all of our lives in thanks to God. To offer thanks when things are going well and when they're not. To offer thanks for every relationship, even if it's thank you, God, that you really love this person because I'm struggling to do that right now. To offer thanks to God for every part of our story, even if it's, thank you, God, you brought me through that, even though it was so painful and difficult. To offer thanks in every circumstance, even if it's, thank you, God, that you are bigger and more powerful than COVID, even though it feels like the scariest or most disruptive thing ever. You see, all of our lives are meant to be circled in thanksgiving. Nothing left out. I encourage you to read Nehemiah 11 and 12 sometime this week about the dedication ceremony for the wall. The whole book of Nehemiah is about people of God getting back on track with God. And thanksgiving is part of that. They prioritize thanksgiving by putting somebody in charge of it. And they promoted Thanksgiving, responding to each other. And they circled their whole lives with Thanksgiving when they sang around the whole perimeter of that city, leaving nothing out. And while those people had a whole lot to be thankful for, we have even more. After this story, There was about 400 years of relative silence from God. And then Jesus was born. Emmanuel, God with us. With his presence, with his life, with his teaching, Jesus showed us the Father. And then Jesus, sinless Jesus, took on our sin and the punishment for it. He died in our place. He paid the price for our forgiveness, which is applied to us when we say yes to him. He triumphed over sin and death and hell when he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of the Father. His Holy Spirit indwells us as believers, brings us from death to life, From darkness to light, his spirit counsels us, comforts us, empowers us, and keeps us company until the return of Jesus or until we go to meet with him. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we give you praise and thanks who you are. We honor you. We give you thanks for your majesty, for your holiness, 
for your transcendence. You are completely other. And yet we also give you thanks for your imminence, your closeness, your nearness. We give you thanks for your goodness. You are faithful. You are merciful. You are compassionate. You are kind. You are loving. We give you thanks for life, for breath, for the ears that can hear this message or the eyes that can read the captions, the brains that can process this information, for our fingers that could type a response in the chat. We thank you for life and we recognize it as a gift. We thank you, God, for relationship, relationship with you, relationship with other people, for the way that relationship blesses us and challenges us. <laughs> God, we thank you for the beauty of creation, for sunshine and laughter and music, story. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you. And God, we confess that we're not always as thankful as we should be. We confess we don't always keep Thanksgiving the priority it should be. We don't always flavor our language with Thanksgiving. Sometimes we flavor our language with uh, complaining or other accusation or negativity. And God, we confess that there are parts of our lives we have struggle to or refuse to find a way to be thankful for God. We confess and we ask that you would help us to do better. And God, we recognize that there are people today who don't know all these things about you that we're thankful for. They don't know you yet. They can't be thankful yet because they don't know yet. Haven't said yes yet. And God, we pray your mercy on them. And God, we pray that you would have mercy on those who are struggling in other ways, worse than we're struggling, who don't have relationships or the resources or the health or whatever it is that we're thankful for today. We ask God you have mercy. And God, we pray that you use us in the equation to bring people into your family and also to meet their other needs. We bless your name. We bless your name. Amen.